0: Ancient civilizations, alien contact, the new psychedelic revolution, cryptocurrency and other disruptive and distributed technologies, and much more. This is Future Sense. You're now tuned to Future Sense with myself, Nick Jeans, and my co-host, futurist, Steve McDonald. Good morning, Steve.
1: Good morning, Nick. Good morning, everybody.
0: Yeah. Uh, last show for 2019. It's been a, a great pleasure to offer our show to you during this year and uh, and the previous year. I don't even remember exactly when we started, but <sighs> Look, it goes back uh, away.
1: Did we ever start? I'm not <laughs>
0: sure. Well, I think we we may never finish.
1: Doing it forever. <laughs> it seems that way anyway. <laughs>
0: We're going to have a bit of a review of, uh, of the year first up this morning. It's uh, been the sort of last show of the year, and of course we're in the holiday season, and just pre-New Year's Eve, we're pretty casual today, so we'd certainly love your feedback on the text line, zero four three seven three four triple one nine. also.
1: that's That's correct. We're usually extremely formal. Are we, <laughs> Sir Nick? N- n- no,
0: we're not. I'm, I'm so not formal. Like I look quite formal. I can see that. People probably think I'm
1: quite formal and serious. But yeah, yeah, I, I met somebody who thought that once. Actually, <laughs> I mean, it is the silly season. You've got to, you've got to give us credit for that. Absolutely, uh, we're we're in between Christmas and New Year mm-hmm. here. Indeed, on planet Earth, just once to do- from somewhere else. <laughs>
0: Some, some people are, are somewhere else now. I just want to give mention to the, to the great Ram Dass who passed away uh, just last week. Uh, Richard Alpert, as you said, Dickie,
1: Dickie Alpert. <laughs> That's right. I'm sure he's up there with Timothy Leary. Yeah, We're looking down on us right now.
0: They've, re, they've rejoined their, their 1960s uh, experimentation in the Harvard University in the heavens.
1: That's right. Now they're both high in heaven. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, I love a quote of uh, simple quote of Ram Dass, as there's many of course, he said, the spiritual trip in this moment is not necessarily a cave in the Himalayas, but it's in relation to the technology that's existing, it's in relation to where we're at, it's in relation to issues like pollution, political interest and activism. It's all part of one package now, and he probably said that 20 or 30 years ago.
1: He probably did too, and, and there may be some listeners out there who don't know who Ram Dass is. Mm. and if, He's a spiritual teacher who uh, was born Richard Alpert and became famous when he was working at Harvard University and got involved with uh, some very early and uh, rather naive and haphazard experiments with uh, (laughs) psychoactive mushrooms, psilocybin mushrooms, together with Timothy Leary who became uh, arguably more famous in terms of the general public's uh, awareness, Mm. I think. Yes. And uh, Timothy went on to get jailed eventually uh, for his activities with uh, with psychoactive mushrooms and Ram Dass went in the opposite direction and became a guru. Yeah, he went to India and
0: found his uh, Guru Neem Karoli Baba the a guru of quite a lot of, uh, lot of particularly American um, chant artists actually but he took on the name Ram Dass and came back to the US and wrote of course the famous book Be Here Now which I think has sold about 2 million copies and uh, was profoundly influential in the in the 1960s in that first wave of of, uh, of that particular change which we talk about quite often.
1: Indeed a beautiful beautiful man who who really was quite graceful in his latter years uh, as he approached transition. He
0: was, I actually met him in New York in about 2002 2003 at a conference in New York City he was in his wheelchair, he had a stroke at that point and he'd written the book called Fierce Grace after his stroke because you know suddenly he was struck down and he couldn't speak for quite a long time he regained his speech fairly well over time but he couldn't speak and he wrote the book Fierce Grace because that's what it was Yeah, to have such a, a strong physical thing happen in a so to speak spiritualized being in this lifetime meant that he had to face that uh, that element of grace, fierce grace. Incredible. Absolutely, yeah.
1: And I think, you know, he was relatively grounded in his teachings, wasn't he? Yes. he was very down-to-earth about...
0: Very down-to-earth, yeah. I, church, yeah. I had a lovely little chat with him. I'm still trying to find that, because I interviewed him, and I think I played it on, on radio back then at some point when I came back. I don't, ah. But I have to find it's on a cassette, one of those things. I mentioned this before. <laughs> yeah. He also said, actually, because we talk, of course, a lot about uncertainty, the last little tiny quote here, he said, How do we know who we are? We might be one breath away from enlightenment or death... Or who knows? The uncertainty is great. It keeps it wide open. And that's a good motto for this show too.
1: Yeah, we're always talking about that. Just remaining curious. Remaining curious. Never thinking you know it all. But also not letting go of the rigorous uh,
0: approach to uh, information as well as uh, the intuitive and creative response as well, which both of which we like very much. Yeah. Yeah, we'll talk a little bit more
1: about that uh, rigorous approach Yeah, later on the show.
0: You're tuned to Future Sense with Nick Jeans and Steve McDonald. Engage, emerge, activate and spiral up. And also thanks to Dudley for writing and so saying, Richard Alpert and Timothy Leary may have researched psilocybin but were mostly known for their research with LSD. Yeah, that's also true.
1: Hmm. 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 Mm. Okay. What's the mm about them, uh, Mr. McDonald? That, that's uh, that's I'm sure quite true. Absolutely. Um. They, they One of the things they became, became infamous for was giving out psilocybin mushrooms to oh, students right. at Harvard. Okay indeed it's all true
0: yeah well there you go um 2019 is nearly over as we said 2020 coming up this is the old saying that everybody's familiar with hindsight is 2020 vision which essentially means once you're somewhere you look back and you can see what's true and real from the past that's useful <laughs> and uh and so, also sorry, did i laugh I just said that. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> uh, it's holiday season Yeah. So, 2019. uh, 2019 in review. Yeah. I I
1: think first and foremost, the most important thing is we had about 23,000 people listen to our podcast in 2019, which is absolutely wonderful. Fantastic. And Mm -hmm. although the the radio show has been going for a little over two years now, we really only got serious about podcasting. Uh, this year at the yes. start of this year yeah it's been about and, a year uh, so just uh, and just a thanks nice. very much to Ross Hill for uh, for tipping us over the edge there and all of his yes. technical expertise in using the internet and all those other things oh yeah the internet he's fantastic at that he I, he's very good at that arcane yeah. to me. Digital, am, a digital native digital native hmm. and uh, also you know I looked at our stats this morning and uh, in the last 30 days We've had 3,465 listens, okay, you which is wonderful. So that's that's uh, clearly we're going, we're accelerating. You think people are knocking on our window and our door going, "Please,
0: please tell me, we're tell me, we're speeding
1: me. up. What's speeding happening?" Up. <laughs> So that's fantastic. Yeah, 23,000 listens in the last 12 months mm. and 3,465 of those in the last 30 days. So it looks like we're in for a big 2020. Mm. And of course,
0: many of those are overseas. So those of you listening to the podcast on various platforms, hello to you out there. And thanks for listening and thanks for continuing to spread the word and to uh, um, yeah send the podcast to those people who you feel may benefit and may be able to hear and listen to
1: what we bring you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you very much. And uh, yes, look, in review, um, I think it's fair to say that our premise that we as a species have entered into a transformational change process that is shifting our consciousness and absolutely changing our underlying subconscious frameworks for making sense of reality, which impacts everything that we think and do uh, and feel, um, I think that that premise of ours has, has been... Um, reinforced by the evidence this year of uh, everything changing in certain ways. Mm. So uh, we're quite confident that we're onto something, definitely. And uh, what we're seeing is not just one shift but multiple simultaneous changes across uh, the, the entire suite of value systems, really, as documented by Claire Graves. And, of course, the dominant paradigm... Uh, globally is this shift from the scientific industrial way of being human, the scientific industrial era to what's next Mm. and uh, that is still in formation it's been called various names by various people, Graves called it the relativistic way of being human because uh, rather than having a stationary viewpoint as we did in the scientific industrial era and looking at many many different options in investigating things using the scientific method and critical thinking in this emerging era, we are capable of changing our viewpoint, and so we can take multiple mm. new perspectives, or almost unlimited perspectives, really, on things, which has its advantages and disadvantages. Mm. Um, some people uh, have called it the wisdom of the moccasins yes. because it reflects our capacity to put ourselves in other people's shoes and literally feel and. Yeah have a, a very, very good understanding of the experience uh, someone else is having from a different perspective. Mm,
0: and that's a major movement, isn't that a movement back towards compassion and empathy more so in a, in a genuine way, generally felt way, as you said, the wisdom of the moccasins. And, of course, it brings its own challenges too at the same time.
1: It does indeed, and, and uh, no doubt we'll be talking about some of those mm. as we look back at the year. Um, so I, I guess the important thing to remember is that in the big scheme of things, when you have a map like the one that uh, Claire Graves has left us through his rigorous research, you can see that we're actually making progress, although it doesn't look like that necessarily from a personal perspective when you look at the outside world and look at how it's changing mm. and things are without a doubt falling apart and if we look at and try and track our progress on this roller coaster of change where we move from stability into turbulence and then take a downward slide into chaos as everything falls apart go through a transformation at that point and, and a breakthrough a breakout and then uh, rise back up through a process of uh, of refreshing regeneration integration back to a new stability at a at a more complex and whole level uh overall in that journey we're still really on the downward slide into chaos and uh, all the evidence suggests to us that there's more extreme chaos yet to come and it's very difficult to put a time frame on this overall shift of the dominant paradigm but my personal best guess is that we're moving towards a tipping point somewhere around uh, 2032 or thereabouts where we'll feel like okay we can look back and Feel like we've been through the worst of it, but uh, I, at the end of the day, I can't know. No one can really know, but this is our best guess at the moment. Yeah. Yes, and for you
0: out there listening, of course, how are you experiencing that, too? I think that's really important, because it's not as if everybody's experiencing the same thing at the same time, nor in the same way, which is very important, too.
1: Yeah, that is very important, and we talk about this conga line mm. analogy of humanity bopping its way along, and for the young listeners, the conga is a dance, you can look <laughs> on, the, on the internet where everybody lines up. <laughs> And bops to the music <laughs> and some people are up the front of the line and and some people are in the middle and some people are down the back of the line and consequently people are moving through this point of transformation uh at different times mm. and whether you're at the front of the line or the back of the line, it's not a reflection of uh, how well you did at school or what religion <laughs> you become from, come from or, or anything else. It's really just a matter of your life conditions and the complexity of your life conditions. Mm. So we are an adaptive species where our consciousness is highly adaptive to the complexity of our life mm. conditions and what that means in practical terms is the, the difficulty of the challenges that we face in life really. Uh, and the the more complex the challenges are, then the more complex we become as we adapt to meet those challenges and, and overcome them. Mm. I mean, just to flesh that part out again,
0: for those who haven't uh, listened to this podcast that much, the, the notion of life conditions refers to uh, current life conditions that someone might be in or society may be in that uh, functions well, that solves most of the problems that uh, are part of that uh, cultural, social, political structure. But then uh, as time goes on, life conditions... Change, and do not uh, do not satisfy the needs of uh, the challenges that uh, are coming forward in that time. So something has to change, and that pressure starts to build in an individual or in a society for a different approach.
1: Yeah, it's, it's an all-encompassing term too. So it includes mm. not just physical life conditions, but also mm. your psychological. Uh, state at present which is a a combination of your history and and Mm. everything you've been through in the past that that has made you who you are and right in this moment.
0: And of course in this era of technology it also includes the interconnectivity which has emerged so fast and so uh, fully across the planet and for a very large number of people on the planet at the same time so that that's a very major part of life conditions changing too.
1: It is indeed absolutely and in general terms, although we, we have these multiple shifts going on pretty much right across the spiral, uh, and we can look around the world today and see that there are still people in certain countries and certain mm. places where life conditions are relatively simple, they're very much connected to the land and still living in traditional tribal ways and have been for thousands of years. You know, amazing continuity and amazing mm. resilience and strength in those uh, base level, albeit simple, value systems. You know, they're extremely capable and extremely long lived um, and so still very valuable that's the thing isn't absolutely it? Yeah. absolutely and and even though there's a spectrum of complexity from simple to more mm. complex uh, each value system is perfectly adapted to live in a certain set of life conditions. And if you took somebody out of a a more complex set of life conditions, like for example a city dweller who might be living in the, the scientific industrial way or the relativistic way, and you put them into a set of life conditions that suited to tribal living, then they may not last long, you know, unless they have assistance. Uh, this is the from, whole, uh, the, people. The whole so, thing
0: with shows like Survivor, wasn't it, I think? To, exactly, exactly, back into that Into that space. Yeah, yeah
1: so it's, it's not about relative value, it's about uh, relative capacity to cope with certain mm-hmm. life conditions.
0: And of course, as we go forward, each of those value systems, as I said before, do have a value and will have a value in their right place, so to speak, right place in their place as we move forward into the future. So especially this idea of, of resilience on a, on a local level of, of connectivity and collectivism in that sense that we support each other and we form a bit more of a tribal space and yet we also can't get carried away with that because it's just one part of the picture. But for many people it's a very valuable part, that, that it movement is. back.
1: It is, and, and the dominant paradigm is moving from an individually oriented mm. set of values in the scientific era to back to a communal set of values. Mm. And so uh, one of the things that's happening a lot right now is people are looking back to historic communal value systems, such as layer two, traditional tribal, layer four, uh, agricultural authoritarian, to remember how to live in community. And that's part of the transition process, this regressive value search, trying to figure out, okay, how do we do this last time? Mm. Maybe initially we'll try on the old values to see if they're working again. No, they're not. Uh, in fact, that's part of the natural evolutionary progression and by trying on those older values, we speed up our change process because we've got change We realise that, OK, that's not adequate. We actually actually have to develop a new, more complex set of communal values. Mm. I think it's interesting when you talk about that and I think I mentioned it before back here, particularly in the
0: 90s, uh, there was a whole movement towards uh, uh, the feral movement and uh, people, you know, grew the dreads and, uh, of course, there's many people in this region still uh, uh, dressing and uh, showing that part of the. Some of my best friends have dreadlocks. Me too, but they, you know, up in the hills here, there's teepees everywhere. People would, would take roadkill off the roads to to uh, to eat, you know, a snake that's been run over, and they lived like that for quite a long time. Quite a few people, and then and then most of them, in fact, all of them, as far as I know, almost all of them moved back to the townships. Most of them have now got families, have cut their hair, and you know that regressive, so to speak, surge back to the tribal was very valuable, but it wasn't enough. Yeah. It wasn't complex enough, I guess, and yeah. they needed to come back into society with the, with some of those things that they'd found. In that space, which which are valuable, very
1: valuable. So glad you've lived to tell the tale, Nick. <laughs> I didn't go out how, there. How would we know about those things? <laughs> Eating roadkill, really? Well, I did do that on the beach here once, Balanju <laughs> ah, pl- pl- pl-
0: years ago, at three o'clock in the morning, under the influence of something or other. Bumped into uh, a guy, Kim Kindersley. Many many of you may know him. He lives in Bali, heir to the uh, <laughs> to the Guinness fortune, or was. <laughs> and he was there with some beautiful indigenous princess. That's what she was. She, that's what he. Said she was, and they were cooking a snake that they'd found on the on the road. So they invited me into the through the penumbra of their fire on the beach at Bellunga, when you could still have a fire on the beach legally. Wow. And uh, I sat there, the three of us, uh, sort of you know, tripping out on the stars and uh, and this snake that we were eating. Goodness me! Yeah, those are
1: the days. <laughs> those are the days. Okay. Simple, simple days. <laughs> Hopefully, Nick will write a book and record all of these stories at some point. <laughs> um, so, uh, yes, twenty nineteen. We are it it uh, it's pretty obvious heading towards further chaos, and we can see the collapse of the old systems fairly clearly now, uh, thanks to our wonderful uh, all-encompassing media, which seems to capture everything and then make a whole bunch of stuff up just to add to the uh, to the interest and the complexity. And uh, where else, you know, uh, have we seen that most obvious? But but in some of the uh, global politics during 2019, and some of the crazy, crazy things. That have been happening and uh, the, the incapacity of our political systems to cope with uh, the, the radical <laughs> strategies which are being employed uh, to, to try and retain power in, in a, essentially a failing system yeah. um, has been, uh, it's been rather amazing. And really, it's fairly obvious if
0: you look just at our own country and the different systems, you look at the education system, you look at the health system, you certainly look at our political system, you look at our religious foundations, you look at health, all of these areas are uh, structurally shaky, all of them do not satisfy the needs anymore, and all of them, to one degree or other, either by politics or those in administration who run these these uh, sectors of our society, are desperately trying to hang on to power, as you said, in one way or the other, and that can mean in this late uh, orange state, the previous value system, that basically anything goes. And in a way, that's how fake news, for example, has arisen, particularly in the last year or so, to be so dominant, not just on the right. I think there's people who think that that, uh, fake news is only on the right of politics, but that's clearly not so. There's also plenty of misinformation and fake news on the left as well.
1: And the, the idea of making stuff up uh, has has really been consistent right through the scientific industrial era because it at the, the previous transition we went from relying on someone else's list of how to live and dutifully following that list and often it was a religious list mm. to the realisation that we could actually find the truth ourselves through a process of, of critical thinking and inquiry using the scientific method. Mm. And so uh, part of that process has been Uh, us reconstructing our reality after having followed someone else's idea of what reality is in in the previous paradigm yeah so so the idea of making it up is, has, in a sense, has been part and parcel of the scientific industrial era. Uh, it's only that it's run to an extreme now and, and it's getting so extreme that it looks ridiculous, it's no longer working and uh, we can see it falling apart mm. in front of our eyes. Indeed.
0: Yeah. We'll take a little bit of a break here. On Future Sense, it's 9.28. You are tuned to On Bay FM 99.9 or on your podcast platform, wherever that may be. For all of you out there, strangers in a strange land, you're grokking Future Sense, here on BayFM. But we're doing a bit of a catch-up on 2019 now here on Future Sense, what's happened this year.
1: We are indeed, and in a few of the general themes that have uh, been showing up more and more during the year and one of them is this general theme of moving from an individually oriented system in the scientific industrial era to a communal, a new uh, version of, of living communally as humans, the meter mm-hmm. we, we sometimes call it in an abbreviation. And One of the key aspects of that is throughout the first tier of consciousness, and I'm talking now about the, the first six layers of consciousness in Claire Graves' model. Which run from um, basic hunter gatherer survival through tribal to eg- as egocentric or warlike agricultural era uh, thinking to scientific industrial era and now the emerging uh, relativistic or postmodern era. Um, as we move through, from one value system to another, there is this inbuilt rejection factor that emerges where we come to a realization that the, the dominant system isn't working anymore and we have to ba- basically get rid of living life that way and come up with a new way to live. And, uh, and that involves a transition either from communal to individual or vice versa. and we're going through the individual to communal transition mm. right now. So we're seeing a lot of rejection of all things, old paradigm, um, industrialized civilization, uh, the, the scientific method, you know how, how we measure the validity of science has changed. Uh, and that's been very, very apparent this year. Uh, and mm. the main shift is it's, it's gone away from thinking critically about evidence and keeping an open mind uh, to being absolutely certain that we know how things are and measuring science by consensus so the more people that agree about a certain thing then the more validity we give it and that's that's been a major major shift in the way that we think about the world mm. around us and, and uh, grow our understanding of the way things are.
0: It's very much a, a, an aspect of relativistic thinking, isn't it? That notion of the collective, the consensus driven um, truth that if so many people think that this is the way it is, then it must be the way it is. But this of course is not actually completely logical at all.
1: Well, it's, you're right, it's not logical at all. Mm. It's uh, it's a pre rational uh, mechanism mm. and it comes from, its, it's absolute root cause is the major driver of the relativistic value set is deep human connection. Mm. So, whereas in the scientific industrial era our major driver was individual success, uh, how do we be the best that we can be and achieve the most that we can uh, within the sort of confines of the scientific industrial uh, society, to um, how can we be deeply connected, how can we be accepted, how can we conform to uh, everything that our peers are conforming to and this is what's shifted our way of measuring the validity of of, uh, information. Mm -hmm. And it's also, we're seeing this uh, major polarisation between those who are moving into this new way of being human and those who are still holding on to the older value systems. Yeah,
0: and of course, with that—that—that that, uh, that natural tendency as we move through the value systems to reject the former systems—is—is uh, is itself coming into play now, isn't it? Because you know, as we move forward through this period, and we've talked about this quite a lot, it's not about throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Every single value system and every person, society, collective that is situated primarily in one value system or another has a value within the. Uh, the structure of their own value system and all of those uh, all of those systems need to be acknowledged for for their value within those constraints so to speak Um, I've got a, in Australia of course we're seeing an incredible amount of polarization occur and um, there's a a lovely piece here from Tim Costello the brother of the former treasurer of course Peter Costello and Tim someone I I quite like as as you said off air he's got a big heart this man and uh, he's a senior fellow at the Center for Public Christianity of course he's a reverend but he says uh, in this piece it's called the toxic mix of religion politics nationalism and immorality now infecting Australia. He says there are no stronger sources of group identity than religion and nationalism. Combined together they can form a deeply divisive us versus them agenda. And overseas he points to uh, Indian Prime Minister Narendra Modi's Hindu nationalist agenda to Turkish President Recep Erdogan's uh, authoritarian advancement of Sunni Islam, uh, Hungarian Prime Minister Viktor Orban's warnings of a civilizational threat to Christendom from Muslim immigration, and of course Australia, a more secular nation than most. Nevertheless, we are feeling the rising tide of tribalism, of this tribalistic attitude. And the same question must be asked of faithful communities here in an overly politicised world, is faith only a subset of politics? Can faith have any independence? Well that's another question. But he's pointing to, there's more in that piece, but he's just pointing to this intensive polarisation going on in all of our spheres of activity.
1: We are, yeah, and, um, and with our current Prime Minister uh, being an a, um, yeah. established member of a Pentecostal church here, there's also this suggestion of the, a blurring of the lines between sort of church and state here. Which is something else that's being watched. But thankfully, uh, a nice uh, article yeah. by uh, Mr. Costello, and thankfully he Actually, retired from politics before Abbott came into power, otherwise, it could have been a lot sillier.
0: Um, just in this article, let's re- reference what you just said there. Uh, he said here that um, recently secular Australian journalists have begun to ring me to ask about passages of the Bible. This has never happened to me before in public life. No doubt it is because our Prime Minister is proudly an evangelical Christian, which in effect means that he takes the Bible seriously. The burning question is, does faith shape one's politics, or does politics capture and determine one's faith? But certainly the first part of that question is interesting to me. Does faith shape one's politics. Is faith shaping our Prime Minister and other members of uh, the government in particular's political agenda?
1: At the moment? Yeah, one of the things that made the uh, the media recently was that uh, normally, of course, every year there, there are uh, various Christmas messages broadcast on television and typically uh, here in Australia you would see a message from Her Majesty the Queen uh, from the UK and uh, perhaps one from the uh, Pope. But this year we had an extra one from uh, the Hillsong Church, which was a Pentecostal church. <laughs> Here in Australia, and that raised a lot that. of eyebrows, I so apparently it. it was broadcasting between the other two. Oh, you're yeah, are kidding. Yeah. That's yeah. powerful.
0: And, you know, there is still this piece going out there, not very much publicity, that Scott Morrison, ScoMo, not only visited Hawaii in the middle of the bushfire season and then scurried back home with his tail between his legs, sort of, but that he also managed a trip over to New York for, or just after, the opening of the Hillsong Church uh, premises in New York City with his friend Brian Houston, who's the head of Hillsong. Hillsong, there's no con- confirmation about that, but it does point to even just the, the question that whether he's actually doing that at a time leaving Australia and going over there for that, and Hillsong becoming such a dominant and, and um, prominent uh, part of uh, of the the public debate here is is kind of interesting. I think.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure about that, but mm. uh, I think it is uh, relatively safe to report that when he went over to meet Donald Trump, he attempted to get the the leader of the Hillsong Church. Yeah. Uh, in the presence of trump as well yes well he
0: hasn't confirmed or denied he's just done that uh, that scurrilous scomo kind of way of uh, of evading uh, a direct answer to questions that are clearly uncomfortable
1: yeah yeah there you go so other general themes that we've seen this year uh, are the theme of decentralization so Mm. a gradual movement away from the centralization of power which of course is uh, very alarming to those who are part of our centralized uh, power Mm. structures And we see that continuing, that is a very, very natural aspect of this movement from individual to communal values is a decentralization of power Uh, and I guess at at the most uh, simple level an example of that is in an individually oriented value system you might find an individual at at the top of a hierarchy whereas uh, historically when we've been living according to communal values at the top of our hierarchy there's been a a group of people so a small community uh, in power such as a family or a council or those sorts of things. Mm. That's an example of how that might play out in power structures. Mm. And uh, along with the decentralization, we're seeing a relocalization of everything. So people are looking back to local community. Our technology is helping us cope with uh, local cope better with local resources than we had been able to do in the past. Mm. And we can see that continuing into the future with things like 3D printing for example which will bring a lot of manufacturing back to the mm. local village.
0: Seen some wonderful uh, buildings that have been uh, 3D printed from
1: hempcrete for example which is uh, fantastic. Yeah. Amazing abso- stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and and this idea of rebuilding community of course at all levels and uh, it's it's fair to to say when we look back at the scientific industrial era that it's done a great job of pulling communities apart from from the most foundational level of the sort of nuclear family which is pretty much disintegrated and right across the board uh, community has been pulled apart simply because of the individual orientation on life hmm. Uh, yeah. And uh, and that was necessary when we were transitioning out of the previous communal value system because each of these value systems, when it first emerges, it solves our immediate problems. And over time, because of its own biases and, and particular focuses, it eventually creates problems that can only be solved by the pendulum swinging back the other way. And uh, it's swinging back right now from um, individual back to communal. Mm. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, um, a very interesting year, yeah. uh, as I mentioned before, lots of evidence of uh, a collapse in confidence in our governments, in particular, and 2020 shaping up to be a very challenging year in that respect. Yes, there's also a lot of
0: revelation, or questioning, or doubt, and cynicism about, of course, of these structures, our political structures. And I'm, as you're talking, I'm thinking of a piece I heard, I think from the ABC the other day, about the lobby industry in Australia. And there are something like 1,700 uh, people who have uh, what's called an orange pass, which means they can go around Parliament House in Canberra without any escort, they can just go where they like. And these are all lobbyists of one type or the other. And the whole structure of lobbying, uh, this centralisation of power, um, is, uh, is, is, is very embedded But it's also been revealed, as we're talking about, just the fact that this sort of reporting is coming out and showing us that, oh, that much power exists in these corporations, the banking industry, the mining industry, et cetera, et cetera, all the obvious things, and that they actually do have that much power, both with money and just being actually to be in Parliament House and to be walking around freely and being able to talk to anybody. But we're starting to see this. We're starting to see how these power
1: structures are actually working. Yeah, that's right. And we've been talking a lot this year about uh, the concept of corporate capture, Mm -hmm. where large organisations which uh, our um, politicians rely on for funding so they can get into power in the first place have really captured our political system uh, to a large extent. And we had an extreme uh, example of that uh, a few years back when Kevin Rudd was uh, was basically torpedoed by a very intensive and very expensive uh, lobbying process uh that was put in place by the the mining industry here in Australia and mainly delivered through advertising, which uh, which destroyed public confidence in uh, in uh, Kevin Rudd. Yeah.
0: You're resonating right now on Future Sense with Steve Mc'Donald and Nick Jeans. Tuned to BFM, tuned to Future Sense here with Nick Jeans and Steve McDonald too till eleven o'clock this morning or on podcast. Hello out there, how you doing? Thanks for joining us, and thanks for your notes on the text line zero four. 3734 Uh just go to this one hey Nick and Steve it's been a great year of listening to Future Sense thank you for sharing your wisdom and making these turbulent times a lot smoother all the best for 2020 much love from George Ciartis. thanks George down thanks, there George. in Melbourne yeah
1: cool. and uh, yeah so just wrapping uh, 2019 in review. a couple more things before we move on to our, our next topic and the next topic by the way will be uh, some things to watch for in 2020 and, and beyond cool. Uh, and, of course, it's been a, a big year for the climate change debate and extreme weather. We've, we've seen uh, a, a, very, a lot of media coverage and a lot of people are uh, suffering from extreme weather of various types uh, in the last mm. year or so. And uh, it's... There seems to have been uh, a definite media bias towards uh, reporting warm weather and warm weather records uh, to the detriment of reporting on cold weather records and there have been a whole bunch of cold weather records during the year and probably the the biggest uh, impact from my perspective has been the disruption of uh, the agricultural industry in North America and uh, and Europe and Russia uh, during the winter time. and and we're just of course moving back into that again and we're already seeing some fairly extreme cold weather and quite heavy snowfalls uh, in europe and north america uh, this winter which is only just starting of course Uh, and um also a strong shift in the public debate about climate change towards this idea of consensus being the defining factor mm. of the validity of, of evidence uh, and uh, as we mentioned before this reflects this bias against the old paradigm way which was based around uh, critical thinking which which essentially was thinking for yourself uh, and, and that emerged out of the agricultural era where everybody was th- thinking and acting according to some higher authority and some higher authority's idea of how life should be and the the ethical moral standards uh, to follow and those sorts of things and then as we moved into the scientific industrial era we started thinking for ourselves and no longer just going according to the script handed down by higher authority Uh, and and of course the opposite is happening now where we're rejecting the scientific industrial way and we're moving back to trying to find uh, a higher authority that we can trust and and the, one of the characteristics of this emerging paradigm is the collapse of hierarchies. It's very very strong on collapsing hierarchies because it looks back to the scientific mm. industrial, industrial era where the hierarchies have been dominating mm. and self-serving for those in charge of the hierarchies. Yeah. And therefore, the the general and obvious reaction is, okay, we need to get rid of that. Yeah. And so the, all hierarchies are being collapsed. And in the process, we're also losing what we had in the agricultural era, which was this reference to a higher authority that we could trust, which was often a religious figure, like, mm. like, as in a god, mm. a supernatural being who laid down the law and the commandments to be followed and those sorts of things. And in the absence of a hierarchy, this time around, we're having to refer to our peers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and it's very much about the, being in the present moment, being with your peers, being accepted by your peers, and maintaining that strong and deep human connection with mm. your peers.
0: So, the connection is the number one factor there, whether you know that or not inside yourself, and will drive your relationship to and how you receive, I guess, and give information to each other, and how you believe each other, how you support. Uh, and uh, confer with each other in a way so that uh, some of the, the the uncomfortable facts might be put to the side because the connection is actually more important than perhaps facts that don't match the current beliefs that you might be holding about something.
1: Yeah, well, a lack of connection is much more uncomfortable yeah. than a fact. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that's the change. That's the shift in, in human nature that's that's happening. Uh-huh. And so, um, you know, and this is not... Uh, a, aspect that applies just to this transformation and this shift that we're going through it's it's always the case that there are pros and cons and the same thing applied when we moved into the scientific industrial era there were pros and cons of living life the scientific industrial way and, and in hindsight those uh, cons are, are very very visible and in our face at the moment and uh, and so we I, I guess one of the cons of the current shift is that we're losing the capacity for critical thinking as individuals to some extent at least anyway um, and we're deferring instead to this beautiful feeling of strong connection yeah. uh, with with our fellow humans which uh, the, the, is a massive pro because it's actually making the world a more peaceful uh, and more harmonious place as, as we make that transition But it's useful uh, to uh, be able to see both sides of the coin if you're able to hold those different perspectives at the same time and see that, okay, there are massive improvements in human behavior, human thinking, human being Mm. uh, from this current shift that's underway. But at the same time, uh, there are some elements of throwing the baby out with the Mm. bathwater as well.
0: I mean, it's not either or. I mean, you, the, the the positive advancements have been made in the last hundreds of years and certainly in the last 100 or so. The number of people who have come out of poverty, for example, an obvious example, but so many others are also counted by a, a, a report I heard, I think, yesterday, that uh, in the US the largest number of gun shootings was this year, 2019, by far. So there's this, you know, this this pressure in society.
1: Even so, I saw that same article... Okay. And did you? what was the, the total people killed in the article that you uh, saw? 40,000 or something? No, I can't remember now. Really? Because mm. the article I saw said, uh, uh, maybe it was referring to the largest single event, I'm not sure, but it was was only in the hundreds. Oh,
0: yeah, you're right. Now I'm talking about yeah, uh, those sort of mass murders. I think it averaged out at five per event. So, yes, it was. But I, I remember thinking, oh, that's five, an average of five people killed in each event of those mass shootings which is quite a lot too.
1: Yeah. how uh, many how many shootings were there in the That's area? a good
0: question we'll have to look yeah, it up. We don't yeah, have any yeah, yeah. us. That's poor research there. Yeah, Not yeah. very rigorous Nick.
1: Uh, no, it's it's S- worth looking at because um, several is uh, uh, even though uh, mm. it is a great tragedy any time a human being is is mm. killed and passes away before their time. Mm. Uh, we also have to be wary of the media exaggerating things and putting things in front of us to distract us from other things. That are perhaps more important and more yeah. critical that, uh, that they don't want us to look at. I was
0: just uh, demonstrating that to the to the
1: listener. Yeah, yeah. Like good. Way of being distracted, exactly. Like that. Leading yeah. by example, as always. Thank Steve. you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> that. uh, dear. Anyway, uh, what we're talking about: climate change, yeah. and there'll be more change to come. There's no doubt about that. Uh, our advice is to remain curious and also be wary of uh, this bias of just looking in one direction and not noticing what's going on in the other direction and. The, um, the other thing which really didn't make the headlines much at all but uh, is a very, very concerning development from 2019 is this disruption to agriculture that I mentioned mm. and uh, quite largely due to the uh, the weather events, and both extreme cold and heat and drought. And we're, yeah. we're seeing the heat and drought here in Australia mm. and uh, the extreme cold is, is more prominent in the Northern Hemisphere, yeah. it seems, but... Um, It's clear that if this trend continues, and I personally think it will, we're going to see uh, a drop in food production, which means food shortages and a rise in food prices. And so that trend ought to continue next year, given the, the current direction that it's heading. Uh, and uh, on the list of good news from twenty nineteen, uh, there was a wonderful book published just recently called *The Change Code*.
0: Funny you should say that because I was just looking for a space to bring this piece in, in, in to the to the list so I'm about three quarters of the way through it and taking a lot of notes. It's a fantastic book, and we'll be talking more about it next year. We'll have some copies. In you fact, can start to get it now in fact next week. We'll give some away. We have the author on the show. We have the author on the show. Not live Monica because she Borgia. is over there. Well, she will be alive
1: but she'll be on she'll the phone. She'll be
0: alive. She's very alive and she's That's listening right. now or she will be listening to the podcast on Hello to Monica. Fantastic book. Uh, but we're, as you're saying there a lot of these, uh, this polarization, this uh, turning one way and not, look, not looking the other way is, uh, is a sort of endemic problem right now. But she points, Monica, in her book at a certain point to the concept of wicked problems, which I just want to mention here. I think it's very relevant. Wicked problems is a term coined by design theorist and professor Horst Rittel and um, wicked problems can be defined as uh, with these characteristics for example they're ongoing chronic issues they're unavoidable and unsolvable no one right solution all there is is a good enough for now solution and for many people that's not good enough but (laughs) uh, solutions vary depending on your values and perspective That's important. Solutions create new problems to address. They require a mindset mindset shift. They require ongoing collaborations with others and they are paradoxical. And um, wicked problems, therefore, are part of a complex system and can't be, in inverted commas, solved, only continually navigated. And that that statement itself, I
1: think, would be very uncomfortable for a lot of people right now. I think so, but mm. it's absolutely typical of the period that we're in, which is a transition period where we've got half the world that's living according to an old value set and an old and old systems and half the world that's kind of moving through to something new or is already there. And so, you know, you're never going to get a, a whole consensus on anything at all. Mm. We, we really have to be very good at doing the best we can and, uh, and not necessarily wanting things to be perfect at this time uh, of, of major transition, and so this book uh, is called *The Change Code: A Practical Guide to Making a Difference in a Polarized World*, written by Monica Bourgeois uh, from uh, Portland, Oregon, and uh, with a forward by me. And I must say that uh, I have no financial interest, and in we, as a, as a, uh, pol- a um program here at Future Sense have no financial interest in this book. We're just promoting it out of the goodness of our heart. Well, also That's because it's long.
0: damn good. It's, uh, it's and very well written. for us, in terms of Claire W. Graves' work, uh, because uh, Claire died in 1986, well before he published his significant and substantial work. And, I, and reading this book, I realised, no wonder, and I said, no wonder that he died, but no wonder it wasn't published then, because I don't think a lot of people would have been able to hear actually what he's actually saying but now it seems reading this book this representation of his work i can hear in the text of this book a lot of people being able to hear it and listen and open up to these kind of ideas and it's just a model it's not like a uh, a belief system it's a model which is profoundly useful and uh, this book i i predict uh, will get into a lot of people's hands who would not look at these sort of ideas in the past perhaps or not really understand them.
1: Yeah, it's very accessible and Monica's done a wonderful job mm. of writing the book in a very clear and, and yeah. uh, way that's that's very easy to read. And it is true that Claire Graves faced a lot of criticism from his peers mm. uh, back in his day when he did speak publicly to groups of psychologists in particular. Uh, he What he was saying didn't fit with the consensus at the mm. time and, uh, and he was heavily criticised which is, uh, you know, I, I think... Always a good sign. <laughs> well, it, it, it's just Maybe a, not always. It's, it's a matter of fact for people who are pathfinders, you know, who mm. are breaking new ground and revealing new things. Mm. And this is just, I mean, by definition, you don't fit with the consensus at the, of the time. And often that's why, um, mm. our, you know, pathfinders have been crucified. Even.
0: Indeed. And just lastly on the book, too, for now, uh, the book really is a, is a, a manual. For agents of change, and you may identify yourself in some way or other as an agent of change. If you're listening to this show, I'd suggest that many of you probably do, in one way or the other, in your sphere of influence in your in your life. Uh, and so, it's a very practical book on that level. And I was quite challenged yesterday reading the book about uh, self-care. It's a bit of a theme that's been up for me recently, and and uh, spiritual practice and routine and grounding oneself in uh, those uh, those deeper places in the self in order to become a more effective agent for change and finding your own way forward to contribute at this time because we're really going to need every every all hands on deck.
1: Yeah, you ought to check this out. You can get it online at Mm. thechangecode.net and uh, there are links there to to buy the book. Mm. Beautiful. All right. Well, that was 2019. (laughs) Uh, Let's uh, (laughs) take a break and come back and talk about 2020. Beautiful.
0: You've been listening to Future Sense, a podcast edited from the radio show of the same name, Broadcast on BayFM in Byron Bay, Australia, at bayfm.org. Future Sense is available on iTunes and SoundCloud. The future is here now. It's just not evenly distributed.